The second lesson, which is also the sermon text, from St. Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 4. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who have fallen asleep, so that you do not grieve in the same way as the others who have no hope. Indeed, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, then in the same way we also believe that God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep through Jesus. In fact, we tell you this by the word of the Lord. We who are alive and left until the coming of the Lord will certainly not go on ahead of those who have fallen asleep, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up in the clouds together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. The word of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. We are not sleeping enough. Americans are running very high, what they call sleep deficits. And our sleep deficit makes us more susceptible to auto accidents, workplace accidents, heart attacks, strokes, all kinds of other medical maladies. To try to combat our national sleep deprivation epidemic, the Sleep Foundation, formerly the National Sleep Foundation, has a, a giant website with all kinds of articles, titles like these, Sleep Debt and Catching Up on Sleep, Micro Sleep, what is it? What causes it? Is it safe? And how to sleep with a cough or cold. Now the Sleep Foundation says that it, quote, works under the premise that sleep is a pillar of health and that quality information about sleep promotes overall wellness. Let me read that last line again. Quality information about sleep promotes overall wellness. Well, that's, that's true, right? Having good accurate information about sleep that is going to make you an overall healthier person if, obviously, if you do something, if you act on that quality information. For example, I can tell you, it's good information like you've never heard it before, that if you are between the ages of 25 and 64, you need your seven to nine a night. Now you have that good quality information. Is that going to make you a healthier person? I don't know. Here's some more good quality information. You should, these are their rules, not mine. I'm not judging you, telling you how to live your life. But according to them, you should disengage from all electronic devices two hours before you try to fall asleep. Good information. Is that going to promote your overall wellness? Totally depends, right, on what you do with it. In a six-verse stretch of his first letter, to the Thessalonian Christians, St. Paul uses the phrase fallen asleep three times. And he starts by writing, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who have fallen asleep. <coughs> Why does the Holy Spirit, through the pen of St. Paul, want us to be informed about this sleep? Why does he want us to have this good, accurate, quality information about this particular kind of sleep because it will promote our overall spiritual health and wellness. 
you listen to this information from the Holy Spirit through St. Paul about falling asleep today, you will be a spiritually more healthy person. Your promises in God, will, your faith in God's promises will be more secure. But of course, just like that good information from the National Sleep Foundation, you need to do something with the information that you hear this morning. You need to trust it and apply it to your life, and it will promote your overall spiritual health. This is the first piece of quality information about this kind of sleep. And this piece of information is the one you have to trust. You have to trust this one in order for the rest of it to do you any good. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. After Jesus sacrificed himself for my sins and your sins on Good Friday, he died on the cross. He did not slip into unconsciousness or a stupor or anything like that. His brain and his heart ceased functioning. A rich man named Joseph and a Pharisee named Nicodemus took Jesus' dead body down from the cross and buried him. And it was to that Pharisee, Nicodemus, that Jesus once said during a late night meeting, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus died on the cross to save the whole world from its sin. Three days later, he rose from the dead. He turned death into sleep for himself, which leads us to the next bit of quality information about this sleep. Indeed, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, then in the same way we also believe that God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep through Jesus. Jesus turned death into sleep on Easter, and now everyone who trusts in him, death is sleep for them too. They too will rise through Jesus. This is good quality, divine information that we are getting today about falling asleep. Now, how are we going to apply this to our existence? How is this going to improve our overall spiritual health? A few weeks ago, I was lying awake in a North Carolina hotel room, staring at the ceiling, thinking, why can't I sleep? Do you ever have one of those nights where you just look at the ceiling and think, why can't I sleep? I took 10 milligrams of melatonin. That is a boatload of melatonin. I triple-checked two alarms, so there's no anxiety about oversleeping. I even laid out my clothes for the next day, so I wouldn't have to worry about doing that. And I was just staring up, why can't I sleep? And then I realized, it's too quiet. 18 months of living a literal stone's throw away from I-95 has made it very hard for me to fall asleep without some kind of hum some kind of background noise in my ear. I researched this. The National Sleep Foundation calls this stuff white noise. Some people have to have it, the steady hum that gently, slowly pulls you down under the blanket of sleep. We believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again and he will bring with him all who have fallen asleep. That is some powerfully soothing white noise for a Christian to live their life with, to just have that truth in your heart and in your ears all the time as you live your life, it is so calming, it is so peaceful. And when the time comes then, someday for you to fall asleep, you can approach that time without fear. You can approach it with peace and with confidence. 
Calling it noise is probably disrespectful, but it is a sound. It's the sound of Jesus folding his grave clothes. It's the sound of an angel saying, why are you looking for the living among the dead? The, the sound of Jesus saying to a room full of fearful disciples, peace be with you. The Holy Spirit gives us this information for our spiritual health. Jesus turned death into sleep for himself. It is also a sleep for everyone who trusts in Jesus. And we can approach the time of our death and live our whole lives in peace and in confidence. And that leads us to another piece of good information about this sleep. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who have fallen asleep so that you do not grieve in the same way as others who have no hope. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Not only is it okay, acceptable to grieve when a fellow Christian dies, it's good to grieve. We know that grieving is good, not only because psychologists and mental health experts tell us so, but we know that grieving is good because Jesus grieved, and everything Jesus does is good. Jesus grieved. He wept by the grave of his friend Lazarus. And Jesus wept for his friend Lazarus, even though he knew that in a matter of just a few moments, his friend Lazarus was going to be walking back out of that grave. We don't grieve because we lack confidence in the resurrection. We grieve because... Death is ugly. It's nasty. It separates people who love each other, even if it's just for a little while. And it was never God's plan, original plan, for the members of the human race to experience any kind of death. But given this beautiful, quality information about sleep that God has given us, we do not grieve in the same way as others who have no hope. See, those who do not trust in Jesus' resurrection can only see physical death as the end of it. And they will talk sometimes about the person who has died, you know, living on in the hearts of the people who love them, or they live on in a sense because of all the lives that they touched while they were alive. But the bottom line is you're still viewing death as permanent and irreversible. And usually the level of grief will match that view of death. We Christians, we have more information. We know more about falling asleep. So, we don't grieve in a way that is bottomless and endless because we don't see death as bottomless and endless. And even in the middle of our grief, we have the joy of knowing the soul of that person is living with Jesus in heaven. And even in the middle of that grief, we have the hope of knowing the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. It's natural and it's good on Saints Triumphant Sunday to think of a Christian you love who has already fallen asleep and join Jesus and the rest of the triumphant saints in heaven. And of course, it is natural when you do that for some amount of grief to come back because death has separated you for a little while from that person but even as we grieve those who have fallen asleep, we do it knowing that the dead in Christ will rise first. The one you love who has died in Jesus is sleeping and will rise again to triumph. 
What do we Christians do with this information that Jesus has turned death into sleep for himself on Easter morning? We trust that death is only sleep for us too, and we approach it without fear, with peace and with confidence. We trust the people we love who have fallen asleep in the Lord will rise first, and when they do, there will be one great reunion of all triumphing saints. In fact, we tell you this by the word of the Lord. We who are alive and left until the coming of the Lord will certainly not go ahead of those who have fallen asleep. Now, Jesus clearly teaches that nobody knows the day or the hour of his return, and therefore anyone who would try to predict it is a liar. With that preface, this is not a prediction, okay? This is just a personal hunch that maybe some of the younger people here this morning are not going to have to fall asleep at all before Jesus returns. It's possible that none of us will. But regardless of who is awake and who is asleep, when Jesus comes back, they will join to reign with him forever. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Certainly is a lot of good information to absorb, isn't it? And our Savior Jesus has transformed death into sleep. That's what it is now for all of us, and that's how we approach that moment in our life when it arrives. Everyone who has fallen asleep in the Lord will rise, and there will be a reigning reunion that will start at the sound of the trumpet. Of course, Good information, you know, only benefits you to the extent that you are going to apply it to your life. St. Paul wanted these Christians in Thessalonica to use this good information. He said, therefore, encourage one another with these words. You can start today by asking God to send the Holy Spirit through these words, to send the Holy Spirit into your heart, to strengthen you, to encourage you, to live your life with whatever level of fear you currently have in your heart of death, whether it's a lot or a little, to ask the Holy Spirit to use these promises to tear that fear down and give you full confidence for the rest of your life and your eternal life with Jesus. And you can ask God to send the Holy Spirit with these promises whenever you experience thoughts of grief over a loved one who has fallen asleep, to comfort you, to encourage your heart knowing that they are only sleeping in the Lord and they will rise. And of course, we use this good quality information to encourage our fellow Christians. You know a fellow Christian who is disturbed by thoughts of death or is grieving a loved one who has fallen asleep. Use this information. Remind them of these promises to encourage them and give them hope. Now, of course, the natural time and place to do that is at a funeral. But remember also, people with loved ones who have fallen asleep on the anniversary of the day that that happened, on those anniversaries, it's very natural and very easy for a lot of grief to come back and wash over that person again. Why not make a phone call on those dates? I mean, if we write down birth dates and we make calls and send messages, why not do the same thing with a death date? That person is probably experiencing grief on that date. Send a note, make a phone call, and reinform them of the truths that God teaches us today. That person they love is only sleeping. They are going to rise, 
and we will all reign as Jesus' saints triumphant. What magnificent information God gives us today. Use it well to encourage your own heart and others. Amen.